Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. What's up, everyone? It's Noah Daniels, and we're here for another episode of the Real Hauntings podcast. As you know, we recently joined the Rim Podcasting Network, or Rim.fm, and they've been kind enough to send some guests our way. And this guest we are so excited to have on is Jillian Clare. She has the Thanks for Coming In podcast. She's an actor, producer, director. She has been in some stuff that you've heard of, and her career is really fascinating. And she also has some ghost stories. So, Jillian, thank you so much. <laughs> for coming on the podcast thank you for having me i was so excited to to learn that you guys joined the realm family and i love talking about all all things paranormal so i'm ready you know i didn't ever expect to find myself talking about paranormal stuff so much <laughs> like we uh cat jj and i started this podcast a little over three years ago and we were just three improv comics in atlanta that wanted to do some more stuff together now little did i know they would end up dating and getting married that all happened oh my gosh as the journey of the podcast went on but you kind of like with all of us being like add you kind of expect these projects to last like a couple months and this just kind of took a life of its own and we all got really in deep into the paranormal so here we are here we <laughs> still, are <laughs> still going um well one thing we love to find out is where our guests fall on what we call the believe meter zero meaning ghosts aren't real 10 ghosts are absolutely real where do you fall on that scale 10 awesome i am such a 10 person 100 percent. i believe that ghosts are real yeah, it's uh when we started, I was probably at about a five or a six, even though I had a story from when I was a kid playing hide and go seek and I like tagged a ghost. It's a whole nother thing. But, <laughs> you know, I, I wasn't sure because I had told that story so many times if the memory was real or if the mm. story of the memory was real. And then uh, this past Halloween in Vegas, I actually uh, I woke up in the middle of the night and there was a little boy ghost staring at me and then his father ghost ended up being behind him too so i had two experiences like 25 years apart which is you know based on all the interviews i've done it's like pretty unusual i haven't yeah. heard that happen too many times but here i am i don't know i interviewed so many people that are like oh i want so many more experiences ghost 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 like i don't ever want to see another ghost again for the <laughs> re it is horrifying um even if they're not trying to scare you just like stared at me like i was a a fish in a fishbowl but uh, um now you're in LA right mm -hmm. I am so the the funny thing about that believometer thing I don't know if you're familiar with Jojo right Jojo on the radio yeah he coined that for us <laughs> oh my gosh really that's so <laughs> yeah. funny he has his own paranormal podcast and uh I think year two of our podcast we became kind of podcast buds with him and had him on and we used to just ask people like on a scale of one to 10 or whatever, zero to 10. And he was like, uh, what do you guys call it? The believe meter And we were like, we do now. We do now, Jojo. <laughs> yeah, you have yeah. coined this. Wait, what was his score? Did he believe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, okay. I think he was a 10. Okay, um, cool. But yeah, he, he's a super interesting guy. I will randomly get texts from him. Like we got <laughs> like on uh, Halloween before last, we got like a Halloween text from him and we happened to just all be together in our costumes. And we were like, Jojo, right. You know, it's so funny how you try to play it cool, but. <laughs> At the end of the day, like, we'll never play it cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, as we kind of dive in, I would love to know what, like, what kicked off your interest in the supernatural? 
Oh gosh, that's a great question. I don't know. I think, um, I think it probably started when I was a kid. I loved watching Charmed. Like that was my show. I thought I was the, you know, missing fifth Hallowell sister. I thought they were going to come find me any day and induct me into their uh, witchery. Um, so I think that probably like opened the door for me. Um, I also have an older sister who tortured me with horror films when I was a child. Um, so I watched a lot of horror films. I watched like Poltergeist and all that stuff. Um, I am still scarred from Freddy Krueger. Uh, if I see him, I will cry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I think that, um, you know, my childhood, I was very much so already very interested in everything. Um, I did have a friend with a Ouija board. We did try to use it when I was, you know, 10, 11, definitely got freaked out. Um, and so I think it's always just been there. Um, and as I've gotten older, I've, uh, you know, definitely gotten into things a little bit more, spent a little more time reading about things and really kind of just being more open to experiences. Are you originally from California? Uh, well, I'm from Portland, Oregon, but we moved okay. here when I was like seven. So I kind of feel like I'm a native. Yeah, I think that counts. I mean, it's, but... it's hard to meet. It's kind of the same way in Atlanta. It's really rare that I meet an actual Atlantean. It's like <laughs> we all came from somewhere else. But I, I think seven qualifies. Do you feel like yeah. being in that part of the country made you more open minded to kind of the spiritual woo woo side of things? Totally. I think, yeah. I mean, with everything in, in politics and culture and, and all of it, I think uh, growing up in a diverse metropolis city like this, it's uh, you're, you're a lot more open to things and um, it's more acceptable to be this way. You know, it's not, you're not in some little town where people will call you the crazy girl and right. it just doesn't happen here. Right. Like you can talk about paranormal stuff with so many people. I was just at a paranormal podcast award show a couple, I guess a month ago and I was presenting for them there. So I think it's just, you know, was it I was the, um, the, par the parapod? Yeah. Parapod. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. Um, okay. Do you know Stephanie strange? I don't know, Stephanie. She I know, paneled um, there. I wasn't sure, but okay. I just was there for uh, the award show and I, I gave out some of the podcasting awards, which was very fun. That's funny. Um, That's so funny. I almost went to that, It you know, flying from here to LA. I waited too late on the tickets and uh, I, I should have I booked it earlier, but... Uh, next year. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, you have some stories. What is kind of your first experience with the paranormal? I think my first experience had to be the Ouija board. And I, I still to this day do not understand how it worked because let's, let's go back here. <laughs> Imagine 10 year old me with um, my friend and we were at his apartment building and, you know, growing up as like a child actor, we weren't in normal school a lot. Um, a lot of it was homeschool and we all kind of hung out with each other all the time because we didn't have that, um, regular like social life at school. So we were always with each other, but this day was just me and my friend and we were at his apartment. And I think our parents were like watching TV or something. And we got a Ouija board and I still don't know where this Ouija board came from, but we went out into like the apartment hallway area and it was late at night and we just sat there with it. And I can't for the life of me, remember the questions, but I know that at one point we asked like, is there somebody here with us? And neither of us had our hands down on it. Like we were both hovering above it and there was only two of us. So it's not like there's, you know, a way for somebody else to be there to do anything. And it moved to yes. And we screamed, left the Ouija board there and ran into the apartment. Our parents were like, what happened? And we're like, we're being haunted by ghosts. It was the funniest, but, um, I think oh that's gosh. like my first real experience. I still have a Ouija board, but I, I refuse to use it because I'm too scared of it. It's just it. for decor. You just pull yeah. it out. To... It's it's not even in decor. It's like in its box outside in the shed. Like it's not even near Buried me. Buried in the yard. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have never really messed around with Ouija boards. Of course, we've heard, you know, varying stories. I have never heard one really where it moves kind of on its own like that. Have you, obviously you kind of held on to that experience based yeah. on not using it ag again. <laughs> Did you have any other hauntings in that apartment that led you to believe that there was some kind of spirit there? 
You know, I don't know that we had any other hauntings in that apartment. It's weird because my friend, my, that friend moved out eventually. And then another friend moved into the same apartment building. And it was one of those places where it always just kind of gave off. Like at certain times of day, there was always just like a weird vibe where if you're walking in the hallway by yourself at night, you're kind of like, Ooh, I feel like not safe. Mm. Um, so I don't think anything that was there was necessarily a good spirit. Um, <laughs> but I don't think anything necessarily happened to me I know that my friends had had kind of weird experiences just like things moving and things not being where they should be and um again it's just that like weird type of feeling like it's a hot summer day and all of a sudden you go through this cold pass and you're like what what's Mm -hmm. going on this doesn't make any sense um thankfully nobody I know lives in that apartment (laughs) now so I don't have to go back What we found is people, and I mean, this isn't like a big secret, but people experience the paranormal in so many different ways. Some people see apparitions to the extent that we've had people on that they say they've like opened doors for people thinking that they were people and they were, you know, ghosts or spirits. Some people have like, you know, very auditory hauntings where they hear things everywhere they go. And then others may see more poltergeist things like seeing an object move or shelves open or you know really you know it gets as dramatic as you want you know with as it can with the supernatural what do you think it was about you that you were kind of able to or allowed to see that ouija board move because so many people will go their whole lives without even having an experience like that and that's just the first one um (laughs) i think uh i think it does probably go back to the fact that i grew up in a very um accepting and open household and community and uh you know i think especially as a kid i feel like you're way more open to things Mm. um and you're not as cynical right like if you have never experienced anything with the paranormal and you're in your 30s and you sit down with a ouija board you're gonna be like ugh. God, this is so stupid. I'm never going to see anything. But when you're a kid and it's like exciting, you're so much more open to the possibility. Like you want it to happen. And then when it does, you get freaked out. Um, But but I think it was just, uh, you know, I was, and I was, I grew up as a child actor. I was an imaginative person. I was a creative person. I wanted to, um, I wanted to believe in the impossible. And so I think that's probably why whatever was there was like, Oh, these two kids are both actors and uh, they can handle this. That's um, yeah. I'm going to put a pin in that for after we get through your next story. Cause I have all kinds of questions about your acting past and how yeah. all that kind of wraps up together. Um, so you had this experience and then what mm-hmm. was the next experience you had? I didn't have anything happen to me for a long time. I do have like my mom, um, you know, when she, when her mother passed, her mom visited her in her dreams. And the same thing happened, I think, when her brother passed. And I've had a lot of friends who've experienced that too, where it's like uh, your loved ones will kind of come to you after they pass in your dreams and say, I'm okay, uh, which I think is beautiful. But my my big story happened when I was filming a horror movie. <laughs> so oh, wow. it was like, all of the things at once. I was in North Carolina filming a movie called Alien Abduction, which is based on uh, the brown mountain lights in Mm. uh, the brown mountains out there. And it's this phenomenon that I think like NASA and all these other places have tried to figure out where these lights come from. They can't figure it out. Many of the locals believe that it is aliens. Um, There was a day when we were on set, we were doing these camping scenes and uh, during lunch, me and the girl played my mom and one of the producers, we were like, oh, let's go on a a little hike. Like that would be nice. It's beautiful. And we were hiking around and uh, all of a sudden the second AD came like racing down the hill and he was like, get in the car. And we were like, what's going on? He's like, you didn't see the lights. And we we're like, oh, I th- we thought that was just like a cabin. He goes, there's no cabins for like a hundred miles. We are out here alone. And, but we had all seen these lights. And he's like, get in the car. We're shutting down production for the day, um, which we did. And it was crazy. Uh, and then, you know, this production was also very bizarre because there was a shaman that was brought out to like bless the project. That's unusual. Um, <laughs> it, it was very unusual. It was really cool. And mind you, I was like, I had just turned 19. So this was my first time like living alone, having my own apartment, traveling for work by myself. Um, and so it was a very bizarre experience to have uh, at that age. But yeah, so the shaman was out there and he like blessed 
the project we did this like fire ritual and then it was so weird when it was done it started raining and it put the fire out and all the birds were singing and we were like what What's going on? <laughs> yeah. what is happening and he ended up giving us like each our own readings and stuff and he told me all this stuff about me that i was like how what like i don't mm. understand um it was quite the experience but getting to the the horror stuff so we had been doing or the ghost stuff we had been doing um overnight shoots because it's an alien movie and everything's you know at night um and so it was oh gosh i was getting home at like 6 a.m in the morning mm -hmm. we were staying in these condos that were built on indian burial ground of course and yeah. it was in the middle of nowhere there was no cell phone service there was no internet we had landlines that could call to each other's like condos and that's about it like you'd have to wait to go down to the town to get service really and so i get home from work and uh i decide like you know i'm gonna hop in the shower and unwind it is i think october but it's freezing cold it's snowing and i get out of the shower and my patio door is open i'm on the second floor and again it's snowing why would i open it i did not open it i had just gotten home i went straight into the shower and i was like okay whatever that's strange so i close the door i uh get a soda or whatever from the the fridge and I sit down on my couch and this was like a small apartment like a studio apartment and it was just like here's the couch here's the bed there's the tv and sit down on the couch turn the tv on and no more than 60 seconds later my entire apartment starts shaking and underneath me I feel like hands pushing me up like oh to push me out of my seat and I'm like what the heck and to me, being a California girl, I'm like, oh, it's an earthquake. Like, I can make sense of that. So mm -hmm. I call the woman who was playing my mom on our landlines. And I was like, hey, Katie, did we just have an earthquake? And she was like, honey, we're in North Carolina. No, we didn't. Right. Just have an You're earthquake. not in L.A. Oh, my gosh. And I was like, OK, I think I'm going to come over to your house because I don't think I'm welcome here right now. And she was like, what happened? And so I went over there and I actually stayed at her apartment for the next couple of nights and the shaman was still there <laughs> and so he went in and he like blessed my condo um but I didn't have anything happen in that room afterwards it was very strange though because when I tell you the entire thing was shaking like I truly thought we were having like a 5.0 earthquake I thought that right there in the middle of Banner Elk North Carolina we were being hit by an earthquake and it was the most bizarre feeling to feel like a couch like trying to push you out of it it was so wild. And then a couple nights later, the guy who was playing my um, brother woke up in the middle of the night and he legitimately saw a ghost standing in his hallway. And it was this woman in her like 20s and really, really old type like Victorian clothes. Mm -hmm. And she turned around and the other half of her face was burned. Oh, God. And then he screamed, turned all the lights on, and he ended up getting moved to a different condo because everyone was like, that's not good. <laughs> and I know other crew members were having experiences too. I think it was the fact that, I mean, we were on Indian burial ground. Who knows, you know, what kind of disturbances were there? Yeah. Rightfully so, probably. Did things in the condo physically move like yeah I, you know in my head I picture like a bookshelf being like duh, 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 duh. but I mean was there stuff moving I around mean, things weren't like falling and flying off the shelves but it was yeah it was like you were having a small earthquake I mean the the furniture was moving it was shaking the tv was shaking everything around us or around me was was shaking and it was like it, and I had experienced so many earthquakes before that my brain just went there and I thought sure. oh, that's that's normal because I'm used to them I'm used to the the shaking of what an earthquake looks like, but no, it was not that. And it was enough to absolutely terrify me for like a solid three or four days. I would not go back in there. I'd went, I'd like run in, grab my clothes or whatever I needed for the day and then run back to Katie's. Cause I was like, I'm not, I'm not messing with that. I'm good. I don't want that energy in my life. Do you feel like, you know, with not only you, but other actors having haunting experiences, did that impact the film at all did were people able to bring that energy or did people try to really push that off and not let it affect the acting um I think it probably did impact us a little bit which is good because obviously we're supposed to be scared of these aliens <laughs> and it was just like you know we uh 
we channeled it in a different way. I mean, sidebar, I am not the best person with surprises. Like the director tried to surprise us with what the alien was going to look like when we were being filmed for the first time. So when we were actually doing the scene, when we were actually supposed to see them for the first time, he wanted real reactions. That was a bad move on his part because oh, no. I laugh when I'm scared. So I get and out not what he wanted. and I look around <laughs> and I start cracking up and he was just like, I guess I'm like, dude, I'm so sorry. That's what you wanted real. That's my real. And it was scary looking. Um, I think it did help with kind of just the overall vibe of things too. I mean, we were already kind of scared of like the, the actual Brown Mountain Lights. And then all of a sudden we were having these paranormal experiences at our condos. And it was just kind of like, can we get a break? Like, It's too yeah. much. It's too stressful. It was definitely a strange, strange experience. There was a lot of nights where we all just would like stay up with each other and basically never be alone because we were all a little, a little scared. I would be too. And in your mind's eye now, can you still feel that force pushing you at, you know, is it like something that you can still really hold on to or is it kind of slipped away? Oh no, I definitely, whenever I talk about it, it's like, I can feel it happening again. It's, it's not a normal thing, right? Like I've never been pushed like that up right. out of a seat. So it, it's only a sensation I've only felt once in my life. I could I see your entire energy shift like before, <laughs> like when you, you shifted from the Ouija's, you know, story yeah. to this one, it was like the, your shoulders, like the whole thing. I, I was like, oh shit, here we go. This really scares her or whatever we're about to it talk did. about. <laughs> it did. And you know, I so badly want to have like a calming and cool experience with a ghost. I personally feel like that was definitely more of like a poltergeist experience than anything else because it was, it was not kind. Um, and I don't think it was very happy with people being there. And it was also off season. Like that's people weren't normally in the condos during that time. It's like a summer getaway, right? For like people who live in like Florida and whatnot. It's not uh, a place where people go during the fall and winter. So right. it's normally completely empty. I mean, this is a, a place that had, I think like 200 condos and we were the only ones there and we probably had like 50 of them. Mm. And so then it's just emptiness. And again, there's no town. It's like 15 minutes down the hill to get to this tiny little town that has two restaurants if you needed anything you had to drive 45 minutes into boone to get to a walmart yeah so you're nowhere you're yeah. nowhere it was wild oh, i don't know what i would do if every i mean because like you said you immediately go to okay this has to be an earthquake and then if everybody's yeah. like nah there's no earthquake so like, no, yeah <laughs> well and again too since you're on like this production right i don't have a car i don't have a way to like leave or you know de-stress i am stuck in this tiny little community where it's only my cast and crew um and thankfully they were all fantastic people who all believed that what i was saying was true um especially since uh corey experienced stuff a couple days later as well um it was bonkers it, that's like the only word I have for it because yeah. I never experienced, I never thought I would experience anything like that really in my lifetime. It feels like that point in the movie where, you know, the actor gets thrown out of that environment and then they're like immediately surrounded by the quote unquote locals and it's like, mm -hmm. you know, everything goes straight to the chaos. Um, yeah. Well, I'm glad you survived. That sounds <laughs> horrible. Uh, <laughs> but um, man, that's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. So I, I do want to kind of, well, first, let's introduce your podcast to everybody, because sure. I do have some questions about acting and things of that nature. So can you tell us about your podcast and where our audience can find it? Yeah, the podcast is called Thanks for Coming In. Um, I have a new guest on each week. Uh, it's fellow actors. And uh, we talk about their career and their um, their like work life balance. Um, I talk a lot about the craft itself and um, what works for them specifically. And then I force them to share a very bad audition story with me, which is always so much fun. Oh man, they I've gotten some really really funny stories over the past three years, uh, and it's been a complete joy to not only hear these stories and like be able to make fun of our process and be able to have, you know, joy in the failures, but just be able to share um, actor stories who are like the actors that you see and everything, but you don't necessarily know their name. And that's something that I really wanted to 
uh, amplifies all the actors that are constantly working and you've seen them in a hundred thousand things, but they're not Julia Roberts. You know, we all know Julia Roberts story. Nobody needs to hear it again. I want to know the, the working actor's story. This episode of the Real Hauntings Real Ghost Stories podcast is brought to you by Wild Grain. Hey everyone, it's Noah Daniels and I'm here to talk to you again about Wild Grain. Our last shipment of Wild Grain was so good that my four-year-old cannot stop asking for more of that awesome bread with dinner. And I'm not going to lie, I'm right there with him. And honestly, there's nothing quite like the smell of fresh bread baked coming from the oven. What if I told you that you too could get that delicious experience of homemade bread with none of the time and work involved? Well, you can by ordering from Wild Grain. Wild Grain is the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Every item bakes frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. And you can now fully customize your Wild Grain box, so you can choose any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box. When you go to wildgrain.com hauntings to start your subscription. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com hauntings. That's wildgrain.com hauntings, or you can use promo code hauntings at checkout. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Yeah. And what was really fun, we were talking before we started recording. I definitely suggest like going to um, Jillian's uh, Instagram for her podcast because it's it's so fun. You're you're going down, you're going, oh, I know that person. Oh, I recognize <laughs> that person. Oh, he was in yeah. Wednesday. Oh, I, you know, and, and even for me, I was like, oh, I this is one of my friends who was on her pocket. Like, that was so cool to see just how many awesome actors you have had on. So going back to your story, you have been acting for a while. I mean, you, yeah. you've been on some like marquee networks, some marquee shows. You were on Nickelodeon, which mm -hmm. was, I was, uh, <laughs> you know, perusing your IMDb and just kind of seeing the different things you've been in. Acting at an early age like that, were you still able to preserve your childhood or did you feel mm -hmm. like you had to grow up pretty fast? It's a great question. Um, I was a lucky one. You know, I, I was working constantly as a kid. I was doing commercials. I was doing a ton of plays. And then I was doing TV and film at the same time and um, balancing school and my, you know, friendships and all that stuff. But I never was like the it girl. I never was famous. I never had that, um, that kind of like, weight put on my shoulders right this was something that I got to do and I loved doing it and so for me it was always like oh my god I get to go to work I get to do all this fun stuff I can't believe they chose me to do it I was always so excited and again I think it's because I didn't have 
the pressure of being the lead on anything as a kid. And I'm, I'm actually, you know, when you're going through it as a kid, you're like, well, why, why am I not enough? Why am I not this? But I think in the as long a kid. run, <laughs> as a kid, well, you know, <laughs> in my thirties, like I'm still wondering that. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you're like down to like the last, you know, one or two people yeah. for, you know, big Disney shows and big Nickelodeon shows all the time. And you're like, why am I not getting this? Um, it can get a little upsetting, but I, I'm honestly way more thankful for the path that I've been on um, because it's made me appreciate things. And I think it allowed me to still have my childhood as, as much as I could without being in like regular school. I had a great group of friends that I'm still friends with most of them today. I had like, I had cheerleading for this local football team. I was always doing theater productions. So I was always surrounded by like really great artists who just loved the craft. I mean, some of them even taught me how to like knit backstage when I was like nine years old. And I had amazing like teachers too, amazing acting classes, things that, uh, you know, aren't necessarily normal, but it's like, okay, if I had stayed in Portland, maybe I would have been playing soccer and it would have been the same type of thing, right? Like this is my hobby. This is my thing. It's just that I get paid for it and I have to be in a union. Yeah, sure. Well, and and I was curious because like uh, as somebody who comes more from the comedy world, I mean, I've I've done acting, but my background, I would say is more comedy than anything. You kind of start to notice that or I start to started to notice that a lot of comedians kind of, you know, it's cliche, but carry like childhood trauma into their kind of their need for needing to be validated and kind of always chasing that inner child. Like that's mm. kind of where that play comes from. Maybe more so an improv than stand up. Those are as much as people look at it as comedy. They're like pretty different. Pretty things. different. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that with at times, you know, people who have been child actors can kind of get stuck in that same boat where it's like you kind of you know, grow up working. And as you get older, you're, you know, you you see like their famous stories of people that are always in the news and stuff who kind of never really grow up because they never had that childhood to naturally progress into adulthood. Mm. So it's great to hear that. Sounds like you were surrounded and in, in like a nice uh, mental health environment to, to, to grow up in and, and continue yeah. through. I mean, of course, we all have like the childhood traumas of just like normal things. But, um, you know, a lot of mine would have to be with, you know, dealing with like roles that I didn't get in stuff that and that that hurt me through like my teen years. Right. When I'm like still trying to process things, I don't feel like I have that hold on me anymore, which is nice. But yeah, I think it all goes down to like the people that surround you. And again, I really do think that the fact that I was always working was great, but I never was the name. I never was the person who was in the tabloids or anything like that. I got to still have my life be private. And so I think that really is, um, it's a game changer when you're a young performer to have your, your life be yours and not the public's. Yeah. I hate to call it the best of both worlds because you never really know career wise, like where things stretch into, but it is nice that you get to have or got to have, you know, that life experience of kind of being on on the right side of entertainment while still yeah. being able to like go get ice cream. And I don't know yeah. why I'm painting this Lifetime movie, but, <laughs> you know. I love it. Because <laughs> I, I was kind of like wondering to circle back to the paranormal, if, you know, growing up in that environment where you're constantly in a state of imagination and pretend and, but while also, you know, as you know, acting isn't easy. If it was easy, a, a lot more success stories would be out there. Uh, I mean, you you go on TikTok and you're like, oh, this is fake. Oh, this is fake. Like when you've been around enough acting or act, it's like you you can just tell when somebody's like, and you're like, ah, oh, this is why people get paid a lot of money to do. You know? <laughs> um, but I was just curious, like being on sets or you know, did you? see people having that playfulness with the paranormal because they needed like kind of that extra outlet of um, chasing childhood. I mean, when you were 19, even you sound like you were still open to the paranormal, which isn't necessarily that unusual. I mean, that's still kind of, I think, where we all, you know, are still pretty interested in that. But does that make sense? Like, did you, was that vibe around? This is what they call shoehorning and content. (laughs) (laughs) I think that when you're a creative 
you're a lot more open to things in general. And you have to be, right? To tell a good story, to tell other people's stories, to be able to create these imaginative worlds, you have to be open. Um, so I think that there's automatically a sense of wonder with the paranormal for any creative. It's like even being at the the studios, right? Like you go to Sony Studios and you want to be like, oh man, is Judy Garland walking around here right now? Right. Like it's just, and you're surrounded by these beautiful spaces that all of these old Hollywood people occupied. And it's kind of like a wondrous thing trying to think, are they still here with us? I still work at Sony a lot. And for me, that's like the best because I know that Judy Garland was doing schoolwork just next to my office. And it's just so nice to, to feel like maybe they're still there and maybe yeah. they're still guiding us. Well, we hear yeah. so much about theaters being haunted, you know. Oh, and it's, 100%. All and theaters lot, are haunted. <laughs> and a lot of people come on and kind of their opinion is that, you know, people put out all this energy, especially in acting, you know, your emotions are going all over the place. And maybe some of that gets trapped in these yeah. locations. Um, well, uh, that's, that's that's very true. I mean, one of my favorite ghost stories is all of Thomas and the the theater that she haunts in, in New York and if you haven't read about her, she's a really interesting mm -hmm. person. Um, she was the first flapper girl, um, and she haunts one of the one of the theaters, one of the Broadway theaters in New York. I think that energy has a lot to do with it. And when you're an actor, you're again, you're you're so open because you have to be. You have to be open, especially to the people that you're in the scene with. You have to be able to accept everything that they're giving you, which means that you can't be sitting there with walls up and so you're expelling all this energy like you mm -hmm. said and then they're expelling all this energy and you're creating like this force field and that's why film and tv can be so magical because it's this energy that you're you're portraying that you're releasing between each other so it makes sense that it gets trapped it makes sense that it's there and that spirits can somehow take that on and maybe say hello to us. I wish that one of them would, Judy, if you're listening. <laughs> so you have worked in soaps. You've uh, done, you know, um, more traditional children shows. You've been on Nickelodeon stuff. You have acted, you know, in movies, TV. What has kind of been, I mean, obviously, I'm sure you are happy to work when you can work and you like yeah. everything. But what, you know, has been kind of the most influential acting role maybe for you and what do you wish you could continue doing the most like if you had your pick of any project oh my god okay um this is so difficult I mean I think the first like influential role in my life was I was in the first Spider-Man in 2002 with Toby and Kirsten Willem um and so I spent uh two or three weeks the first time around on that set with them um I was eight and so being able to watch literally masterclass of acting in front of me was so inspiring for a child to witness and to then be like, I want to be her when I grew up. Like I so badly wanted to be Kirsten when I grew up, still working on it. Um, <laughs> so I think that was probably the most like influential thing as a child. Now it just kind of changes. Like there's so many different things that I've done that have informed me about different parts of me. Um, which I think is the most fun thing about acting is that you're constantly learning about yourself as well. I did this film called The Kitchen where we did, I think it was tw uh, 12 shooting days and the entire film was set in the kitchen of a house for uh, Laura Perpon was the star of it. It was her 30th birthday. And so we spent two or three days rehearsing the film as a play. Because uh, they had to know when people were entering and when they were exiting and who had to be there certain days to make sure that everything was smooth, um, which was such a different experience. And we filmed it all in order. And it was wild. And to be there with the entire cast, that doesn't happen um, a lot at all. Actually, it doesn't happen at all to have the entire cast of a film in one place rehearsing the script over and over and over again and doing the blocking over and over again like right. you're preparing for a play it was bizarre um and it was one of the best experiences of my life it was so much fun and it was a small 
small kitchen and <laughs> so much happened in it. But then I think probably the other the other film that really has impacted me is one that I uh, produced as well called Pretty Broken, which is behind me. And that was the first time I was able to lead a feature film and have the chance to be an adult in something. Mm -hmm. Because before that, I, I was still stuck in like teenage roles. Um, I think I had done like alien abduction a couple years prior. And even though I was 19, I was playing 15. And it was like, I was always stuck in the 15 to 16 year old. I mean, my God, I'm 30 and I'm still going out for 18. Thank you. Really? Listen, without the eye makeup, (laughs) I look very young, Um, which thank God for uh, good genes. But (laughs) uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, you you get stuck in this because they're constantly trying to keep you young. Um, so pretty broken was the first time I was able to play someone my age and um, be able to experience something that I had in real life. The whole film is about um, a girl's father who goes missing in the Appalachian Mountains and he's presumed dead and she just doesn't believe it and she won't believe it. And she's determined to raise enough money to go over there and find her, find him herself, which is chaotic. Um, and she's a mess. She's going through a divorce because she got married too young and uh, she doesn't have a good relationship with her mom. And I have great relationship with my parents and they're thankfully both still here. So it was, you know, the first time I was super challenged to create something so outside of my normal experience Um, and something that's normal for a lot of people, uh, but not for me. And so that was, it was a challenge and I had the best director to work with to really create this, this world for her. Um, and it was, it was the work that I'm probably the most proud of throughout my career. That's awesome. What would you say, like for people that maybe have, you know, been in the industry some, but now that the pandemic is kind of, you know, obviously it's still, I guess, technically here, but it's, you know, every, it feels like everybody's kind of working again and and things of that nature. What are kind of some of the pitfalls that, actors need to avoid getting into the industry. I know that for some of my friends in Atlanta, it's like they would get an agent here that they would, you know, because a lot of stuff films in Georgia now, and they Mm -hmm. would reach a certain level, then they would need to get an agent in California, you know, LA, they would move to LA, get bigger roles to then be sent back to Atlanta to play in those bigger roles. (laughs) So it's like, it's, it's always seems like there's this mind game of the creative wanting to create and having to trying to choose the right word here. Um, I get it. <laughs> coincide with the business side of acting right. with needing representation, and all of that. Have you found any shortcuts like hacks to, you know, if you feel like you have the talent and you want to get in to kind of help get that ball started? The industry has shifted so much since I started um in this crazy world 24 years ago at this point 23 years ago um and it certainly shifted even more during the pandemic you know now still most auditions are over zoom or Mm -hmm. self-tapes which I personally am not the hugest fan of because I like collaborating with the casting director I like getting feedback I like being able to ask questions um that was always my biggest thing going into an audition room is having at least one question to ask so that they know that I was truly interested and truly cared about what was going on with the character. So I miss that. Now I know that there's the other side of it, which is a lot more people can have an opportunity, which I think is great. But I also know that a lot of people in LA would love it to go back to the, you have to be here, go to the auditions, do the thing, be a part of the community build yourself up. And I think that, you know, nowadays it's, uh, it's a lot different because there's so many communities throughout the nation that are building. I mean, Georgia's huge. Atlanta is massive. There are so many incredible actors, so many people I've had on my show, even that are based in Atlanta and have had these incredibly successful careers. I just had, uh, Wilbur Fitzgerald on a couple weeks ago and he's in, are you there? God, it's me, Margaret. He's playing Kathy Bates boyfriend. I mean, he's created this incredible career with staying in Atlanta. So Mm -hmm. I think that, um, you know, the industry is, is much different than it was 30 years ago. I don't think you have to be in LA to do anything. I don't think you have to be in New York to do anything. I think maybe if you want to be on Broadway, yeah, you got to go to New York. 
if you want to uh, be a series regular on a TV series, you're more than likely going to have to be in LA at some point. Yeah. I mean, a lot of things still film in Canada and Atlanta, but there's still a lot of shows that are here based here and, and shoot here. So I think depending on your goals and like what you want to work on, it can shift. But for people who are just starting, I always tell them to stay in the market that they're in and create, create this resume, create this career, create your, your own way of doing things. Cause each actor has their own way of breaking down a script, breaking down a character, creating that environment. Um, so I think it's important when you're first starting out to stay in your own market and then, you know, build up. And then, like you said, if they get big enough, they can go to LA and, you know, try, try the hand there. But I feel like even now it's not even necessary because like you said, like they come back to Atlanta because the, the stuff is there that they're filming. And so much of it now is online that um, I don't really see the need to move yet, unless you're like told you have a series and you have to move here for six months, right. then go. But I think it's just, you know, it's changed so much and the ability to make your own content is so much easier. You know, I started making web series with my mom before Netflix was even a thing. I think it was like 20... 11 when we mm -hmm. first started doing things um and that really helped my career i mean even like we had it at a top agency in la and they didn't know what to do with it because they were like what's a web series uh um, we don't know what to do with this and we ended up getting on a huge network and and it was great you know for people who are starting out i always just encourage them to take a shot and make something with their friends and just continue to put in the work there's this famous quote, and I forget who says it, but they say, the only way, way that you fail is if you give up. And with acting, that's very much so how it goes, right? The only way that you're going to fail is if you say, hasta la vista, I can't take it anymore. Yeah, uh, that's, because that's at so some point, true. you'll get it. You'll get it. Like, it's not every role is meant for you. And that's okay. Yeah. The things that are supposed to come to you are going to come to you. And I think that's also a huge thing is like, knowing your mental limits and when you need to say hey i'm not in a good mental space right now i need to take a break maybe get a month off let your representation know i think that we're in a much more accepting time where people are saying like okay great like i have a fantastic manager who's known me since i was a kid and i always feel like i can reach out to her and be like hey i don't want to do this audition because of xyz or I'm not too stoked on this because of X, Y, Z. And she listens. Um, so I think having that relationship too with whoever is your representation is really important to maintain your own mental stability throughout what can be a total chaotic career. Yeah, I mean, part of it that is so true about just not giving up, you know, keep pushing through outlasting other people sometimes yes. can give you the win you need literally outlasting people <laughs> which is like sounds maybe counterintuitive to people that are listening to this no. that haven't been in you know any form of the entertainment industry but even in podcasting you know i when when we decided to start i so i read all the like you need to do this you need to do this you need to do this and my main thing and it's what i told kat and jj i was like we will always have an episode come out on monday hell or high water. Uh, and, and we have, and you know, a lot of times I may co-host with other people or whatever, cause I want to make sure Kat and JJ never feel, uh, too bottled in that they have mm -hmm. to be on a strict schedule with the podcast. But I've had friends of mine ask me to like mentor them with their podcast. And it's the biggest thing I tell them is like, you just have to keep going, like yeah. have a vision, stay true to that vision be willing to be flexible, but keep making the thing and people yeah. will find it and come. And that's so cool to hear you talk about acting in that way too. Well, I would love to know what are some episodes that you really highlight when our audience is going to check out your podcast? You're like, man, you should really check out this one. It really represents everything that I love about my podcast. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, the first one I'm going to say is Lynn Shea was on the show last Halloween and I was having a full heart attack the entire time. I mean, she's the godmother of horror. I'm a huge horror fan. Um, and it was so great. She is so kind. Um, and, you know, we really talked about what, what it's like to have a, a lifelong career 
You know, she's somebody that, as we're saying, outlast other people, right? She's <laughs> someone who has been in this industry since she was in her early 20s. But you didn't know Lynn Shay's name until Insidious. Mm. You didn't really know her. You didn't constantly see her face. She was named the godmother of horror because of her previous work um, when she was much younger doing horror films. But, you know, she wasn't this icon that she is now. And she's an icon in the horror film world. So I think that's a great episode. Uh, and then, geez, who else? Uh, I had Edwin Lee Gibson on the show last year from The Bear. And I, I really enjoyed his story specifically because he grew up with a stutter. Hmm. And he found acting in theater to be the way that he was able to control it. Because he had these words that he knew he had to say. And that's what helped him. Wow work through his stutter and then you know there's just a lot of episodes with some really fantastic people my friend Denzel Whitaker was on nearly at the beginning because he's the best my other friend David Dasmalchen um but you know there's every week we have different people on um who have just completely different stories and I think the the thing that I love most about it is it helps any creative see that everyone's journey is truly so 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 different and it's so easy to just say that and like have it be a comfort thing for people but for me to hear it every week with new people it's um it's really changed my perspective on on so many things and it's really allowed me to like let go and be Mm. like okay I trust that what I'm doing and everything that I'm putting my energy into is going to create something great and I just have to keep doing it. Um, but those, yeah, those are some of the the funner episodes that I've I've really enjoyed over the past three years. We're coming up on three years uh, in like a week and a half. Oh well, congrats! That's super <laughs> awesome. I can't wait to check out more of your podcast. Thank you so much for coming on to the Real Hauntings podcast. Thank uh, you. You are as talented, funny, and charismatic as I've heard. <laughs> so this has been a real treat. I could ask you a thousand questions for a thousand more hours, but. Uh, nobody wants to be tortured like that. So <laughs> maybe another day, uh, another day. have you uh, back on, but make sure you check out her podcast, check out all the awesome things she has going on. Is there any upcoming projects that you want to promote? Oh, well, I'm currently um, in pre-production for a fiction podcast called The Case Within. We're doing a seed and spark right now to raise money for it. And then I have a play in pre-production and a film called Roasted that we're looking at filming in November, I believe. (laughs) Awesome. Well, that's so cool. And yeah, this has been a real treat. I would love you to do, I would love for you to do the outro with us. It's going to sound... Uh, as gooby as it is I will say my name you'll say yours and then we go like two ghosts just (laughs) cutting it up at the end and I promise I won't leave you hanging so many people go wait am I going to be the only one I'm like no no, it's okay I'm an actor I'm okay with making myself look stupid (laughs) (laughs) with that I'm Noah Daniels and I'm Jillian Clare Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another, darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.